Welcome to Federal Insights for May, generating more value for your data. Sponsored by Commvault and NetApp on Federal News Network. You can't see them or touch them. Satellites are too far away. That's why the U.S. Space Force, the newest branch of the armed services, has a strong data strategy. Data is the main ingredient for controlling and protecting not only satellites, but the space enterprise itself. For more, I spoke with Major General Kimberly Kreider, the mobilization assistant to the Chief of Space Operations at U.S. Space Force. And let's start with the Space Force data strategy. I mean, it's a brand new operation, really, in some sense, although it has some assets that it carried over from the Air Force. So give us a sense of the data assets there and your general strategy for them. Well, first, let me just say right off the bat, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you today, Tom, and, and tell you about all the exciting stuff that we've been doing with data as it relates to space and the Space Force uh, specifically. You know, the Space Force stood up on December 20th of last year, but long before that, we have recognized the critical importance of data to our ability to understand the space domain and really be able to accelerate our ability to maneuver and outpace the threat in the space domain and from other domains that may be impacting us. Because all of the information that we have and all of what we need to be able to do fundamentally depends upon the data that we can capture about our environment. We experience the space domain from the data that we can receive about it. So being able to harness all of the data, not only in space, but from other domains that touch space, and be able to leverage that data uh, is absolutely critical to us. So our strategic approach really comes down to pulling in maximum amounts of data into an accessible, multi-level secure, cloud-based environment where we can begin to make it available to systems and users and be able to apply analytics to that data to be able to make faster decisions and define options for various actions that we might want to take to ensure the safety and security of our capabilities in space. People tend to think of satellites as producers of data, of observational data or whatever it might be. You're talking also about data about satellite assets themselves, and that must include not only U.S. assets, but everybody else's that's up there flying around. That's correct. One of our really important missions in space is called Space Domain Awareness. And the Space Domain Awareness mission really is accomplished by having both space-based and ground-based sensors that can capture data, observation data, about all things in space. So those might be satellites, it might be debris, it might be you know, other you know, celestial bodies, things that we need to know about so that we can ensure that those satellite assets that we're responsible for and those of our allies are safe and secure, and that we also understand you know, where the potential threats are from any adversary actions that might emerge in space. And do the satellites of other owners outside of the U.S. government, is it possible to discover a lot of information about them? Because I imagine some nations like China that have started to launch satellites may not want us to know everything about them. This is true. But by and large, you know, there is a way to understand a, a lot of what's happening in space. I mean, our sensors 
can see a lot of what's happening in space, and we share that information with our allies, and our allies use some of the information that we have. And, uh, you know, a lot of this started with, you know, really just trying to maintain safety of flight, if you will, and safe maneuver. So it's very important, actually, for all nations uh, to be able to see what's happening in space and share information to the maximum extent possible so that we can avoid collisions. Uh, at the same time, we also want to ensure the security of our assets, and therefore we want to be able to safeguard our data and our information as much as possible while ensuring that we enable authorized access to our government and allied partners. And what are some of the other sources of data that would be combined, say, with direct satellite information that might be useful for analytical or strategic purposes? Well, when I talk about satellite information, you know, there is a lot of commercial satellite data that picks up information about what's happening in the space domain. Of course, there's a lot of commercial satellite assets in space that are trying to ensure the safety uh, of their systems as well. So we also get a lot of information from commercial satellites as well as government satellites. So it is a, it is a very broad picture that we're able to develop from both government, allied, and commercial assets. Then there's data that we can get from other domain environments, whether it be the air domain or the terrestrial domain. There, as I mentioned, there are sensors that look up into space, so we can you know, have that data available to us. Uh, the cyber domain, there's a continuous integration between what's happening in the cyber domain and what's happening in the space domain. So being able to understand the cyber domain and having data about its performance and its availability is also very important to us as well. And something I'm curious about, given that there are so many satellites and they are operating in different orbit levels above the Earth and different trajectories. Is it possible to visualize all this data such that you can almost get a fly-through picture of the satellite domain? Yes. Uh, a very important aspect of our ability to effectively use the data uh, about the space domain uh, is to be able to visualize it. And we have a variety of ways to do that with what we call common operating picture tools and technologies. And then there's more modern technologies that are available today that we are applying to do analytics on the data to really try to understand what the data means as that data is then presented to different visualization terminals and displays for operators to really be able to um, make decisions based upon it. Major General Kimberly Kreider, the mobilization assistant to the Chief of Space Operations at U.S. Space Force. More after this short break. I'm Tom Temin. Are you concerned about your data availability and being caught up in cyber attacks like ransomware? Rely on two industry leaders, Comvault and NetApp, who, together, can help you to protect and manage your data regardless of where it resides. The seamlessly integrated solutions from Comvault and NetApp make it easy to manage critical data workloads and assist you in your journey to the cloud in a simple and cost-effective way. Visit federalnewsnetwork.com, search data management to learn more. Welcome back to an interview with Major General Kimberly Kreider, 
the mobilization assistant to the chief of space operations at U.S. Space Force. And let's talk about uh, a little bit more about the staging of the data. You mentioned that uh, you use commercial cloud. Well, I said commercial. Is it commercial when you mentioned clouds? And how do you generally make the data discoverable to the different components of Space Force that need to use it for whatever their mission element might be? We are using commercial cloud technologies and commercial cloud services as a hosting environment for a lot of our data. In fact, we have instantiated a commercial cloud-based multi-level secure capability that we call the Unified Data Library. It is essentially a data management environment by which we can pull in this observation data from a variety of different sensors, again, government, commercial, allied, sensor data, that ground-based data, other domain data that I mentioned, all can be hosted and stored in the Unified Data Library. We can also point to other data environments where that data may exist, cloud-to-cloud, if you will, or cloud-to-on-prem kinds of connections to make sure we can connect all the data. But the access to that data is really established by the data owner, and the data owner determines what types of users, what types of partners would have access to the different data that their specific sensor makes available. And of course, the data would be operated at a specific classification level, so it would be available in a certain uh, classification level cloud. Uh, Our environment right now houses data at the top secret, secret, and unclass levels. So different users have different authorizations Different user systems are authorized to access the data at the appropriate level of security based on those authorizations that the data owner has made available. Just out of curiosity, a lot of agencies have complained that it's cheap to upload data but expensive to download it. What kinds of strategies do you have such that people can freely use what they need that they're authorized to have but that the Space Force avoids some of the costs that can often go with downloading data? From clouds. Right. Well, you know, so it's interesting that more and more modern technologies and more and more modern approaches to applications and analytics are all also happening in the cloud. You know, software as a service, if you will, or cloud-based applications, cloud-based analytics. Putting the computing uh, capabilities and the uh, analytic capabilities as close to the data as possible certainly assist in reducing those kinds of delays and costs that uh, we might see in other architectures. And, but it, it's, a, it's an architectural effort to really look at what's the best way to ensure effective access and use of the data depending on what the specific mission requires. And talk more about some of the cybersecurity measures that you apply to the data, to the clouds and so forth. What kinds of regimes do you have in place just to ensure that it does remain only in the right hands and in front of the right eyes? So, you know, there's certainly a lot of security controls that have been established and are in place with the commercial cloud providers who have been FedRAMP certified and have achieved certain protection levels for protecting the data at the appropriate level of security and safeguarding of the data. So, A lot of those security controls and and cybersecurity controls are built into the cloud environments themselves and are part of the cloud services that we leverage. In addition to that, there's architectural ways to 
separate the data in a way to increase its resiliency, store the data in different activity zones. Not only does that help with security, it certainly helps with, you know, backup uh, in the case of a, a natural disaster. It also helps with performance and load balancing of the data depending on how we need to use it. But from a security standpoint and a resiliency standpoint, Housing the data in, in different zones and different areas of the cloud is also a good way to uh, maintain some of that security, too. So I imagine you ask the cloud providers to have geographic backup, if you will, and not everything in one particular location. Exactly. And the cloud, many of the cloud providers do that uh, just as a matter of course anyway to ensure availability and performance. Uh, as well as, the, again, the security and resiliency features that they know all of their customers demand these days in, in data protection and data security. And what are some of the analytic applications that the Space Force operators might do to the data? And then what happens to the data produced by the analytic exercise itself? Right. So you can imagine, again, with so many objects in space, lots and lots of debris, Satellites being launched into space every day, organizations like SpaceX launching 60,000 satellites into space, you know, these microsats, very small satellites that have been launched into space. There's a lot of data out there. So being able to apply analytics to quickly be able to discern, you know, what's debris and what is what are actually assets that we uh, want to be able to keep track of supporting, you know, what we call conjunction analysis, keeping all of the assets from bumping into each other or bumping into debris. So continuing to refine the analytics to support that, those kinds of efforts. If there are potential threats in space, nefarious actions in space, understanding when an object seems to be acting strangely, what it may be doing differently than uh, over time, kind of pattern of life analyses. Uh, all of these kinds of analytics are applied in a variety of domains, and certainly they, they equally apply in a domain where you're really just trying to understand what's going on and what kind of actions might we need to take to continue to ensure safety, security, and uh, maximum freedom of maneuver and use of the space domain. Major General Kimberly Kreider, the Mobilization Assistant to the Chief of Space Operations at U.S. Space Force. We'll have the third and final segment of this interview following this short break. I'm Tom Temin. Are you concerned about your data availability and being caught up in cyber attacks like ransomware? Rely on two industry leaders, Commvault and NetApp, who, together, can help you to protect and manage your data regardless of where it resides. The seamlessly integrated solutions from Commvault and NetApp make it easy to manage critical data workloads and assist you in your journey to the cloud in a simple and cost-effective way. Visit federalnewsnetwork.com, search data management to learn more. Welcome back to our third and final segment of an interview with Major General Kimberly Kreider, the Mobilization Assistant to the Chief of Space Operations at U.S. Space Force. And give us a sense of the range of data types and formats that might be there because ultimately the analytical tools, the applications, have to deal with this data that might be produced outside of that application. And so you have to somehow normalize the data so that it is useful 
to an application? How does that all happen? Right. So, you know, the data types, the data formats, uh, you know, range from any kind of structured data to unstructured streaming data or signal information uh, about what is happening in the domain. And there are lots of technologies and tools that we apply in our own unified data library to be able to tag the data, describe the data, and normalize the data, to use your word, in a way that allows that data to then be understood by an, an application in a machine-to-machine -machine manner, expose the data in a way that any kind of a, a web services-based application could be able to request it and bring it in and be able to read it uh, using standard web services-based technologies, be able to read the data, understand the data, understand the tags associated with the data that might describe a particular object in a particular place and time, and then be able to do something with it in a more normalized way. Now, there are a lot of nations have satellites now, probably, I don't know, probably a couple of dozen have the capability and have launched satellites. And you mentioned the Unified Data Library of the Space Force. Is there any sort of international library of unified data about satellites that would include a subset from all of the nations such that everyone can help one another and warn one another and understand what everybody's up to? So I'm not aware of an international unified data library per se outside of what we have. I mean, we certainly again, have uh, integrated and, and pulled in allied data, international data from commercial satellites into our unified data library. So in that sense, the U.S. Space Force Unified Data Library is an international data library in the sense that it has other nation data that has been made available to us. It's shared with us available through the data library and available to those authorized users, which would include some of our allied partners. But, you know, the as we mentioned earlier, nations are eager to share data and information if only to continue to ensure the safety of flight, if you will, in space. And so there is a lot of interest in sharing data, and while all that data may not be available today through uh, one or more data libraries, more and more nations are making their data available and looking to establish data sharing agreements in a way that allows those countries to be able to exchange data and be able to work closely together. And just getting back to the Space Force's own data sources, do you use encryption or deduplication or other types of measures like that to increase efficiency, safety, and so on for the data? Oh, absolutely. You know, certainly encrypting the data uh, at rest, encrypting the data in transit is a, an established practice uh, and is applied throughout our architecture. Deduplication and data quality measures and tools applied to the data as we manage the data, the data library is, in fact, you know, an important aspect of it are all of its data management services so that the data is continuously assessed and monitored and we review who's using the data, how it's being used. We, re we look at the quality aspects of the data. We're able to track, of course, changes to the data and want to make sure that the unified data library is 
establishing and, and exposing the most current up-to-date data as well as maintaining some degree of uh, established lineage of that data so that we know if and when that data has changed, new data may have been created from it. That might be a new data element uh, to be shared that could give new information about what's happening in the domain. Sounds like you need a unified metadata library. Well, that's a, that's a really important point, Tom. Metadata is uh, just as critical, if not more critical, than the data itself because we have to be able to understand the data. The da we have to be able to know something about the data in order to maximize its usefulness. The more we can tag the data and include in those tags clear information about the data, uh, the more useful that data becomes. Major General Kimberly Kreider, the Mobilization Assistant to the Chief of Space Operations at U.S. Space Force. To share this interview or hear it again, go to federalnewsnetwork.com and search Federal Insights. I'm Tom Temin. Thank you for listening to Federal Insights for May, generating more value for your data. Sponsored by Commvault and NetApp on Federal News Network. Are you concerned about your data availability and being caught up in cyber attacks like ransomware? Rely on two industry leaders, Commvault and NetApp, who, together, can help you to protect and manage your data regardless of where it resides. The seamlessly integrated solutions from Commvault and NetApp make it easy to manage critical data workloads and assist you in your journey to the cloud in a simple and cost-effective way. Visit federalnewsnetwork.com, search data management to learn more. Thank you, America. We know staying home isn't as easy as it looks. It's hard sitting out at family gatherings, missing out on milestones like graduation or the birth of a new family member. For many, staying home has meant job loss and financial hardship. People call healthcare workers heroes. You're a hero too. We're the infectious diseases experts fighting COVID-19 in hospitals, public health departments, and laboratories across the country. You're giving up a lot to keep yourself, your loved ones, and your community safe. It's not easy giving up things that were once part of everyday life. Going to work, eating at a restaurant, spending time with friends. When you stay home, you're helping us win the fight against COVID-19. Keep it up. We'll emerge strong and healthy together again. Sponsored by the Infectious Diseases Society of America Foundation. For more COVID-19 information, visit idsafoundation.org. Hello. I'm Robert Wilkie, Secretary of the Department of Veterans Affairs. Right now, members of VA's world-class medical team are doing courageous work leading our nation's fight against the COVID-19, the novel coronavirus. But they need your help caring for America's veterans. VA is launching an initiative to rapidly hire more healthcare professionals to join us. We need physicians. We need nurses, pharmacists, laboratory technicians respiratory therapists, and other medical specialists. This is a unique opportunity for you to serve and help the veterans who have served and protected us all. If you want to learn more about being part of our team, go to va.gov slash join us. 
or you can text VA physician or VA nurse to 97211. Thank you.